0: Hello, and welcome to the Tao Te Ching for everyday living. I'm your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. I've been studying the Tao Te Ching for just short of a year now, and have reconnected with a natural feeling of inner peace and contentment. I don't hold a doctorate, nor am I qualified to teach anything about the Dao De Jing. I'm just an ordinary person who has experienced the wonderful side effects of following the Dao. Since everyone's experience with this wisdom is different, the only thing that I can hope for is that mine helps you to connect with the Dao in your own, unique, personal way. Feel free to listen to each episode a day at a time, or anytime you need a quick Dao shot. You can listen while you're on your way to work, or after that, when you're winding down. It's always a good time to observe the Dao. In each episode, we'll do four things. 1. We'll read a verse of the Dao De Jing. 2. I'll break it down into everyday language. 3. I'll share my own thoughts and experience. And 4. I'll leave you with a couple of the many ways you can put the Dao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day, by listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. Thanks for joining me today, and enjoy this episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. Verse 73, The Tao's Perfect Outcome A person with courage and daring is slain. A person with courage and self-restraint lives. Of these two, the one has benefit, the other has injury. Who can tell why one of them should incur heaven's wrath? Because of this, the self-controlled person has doubt and difficulty. Heavenly Tao strives not, but conquers by love. It speaks not, but responds in love. It calls not to people, but of themselves they come. It slowly is made manifest, yet its plans are laid in love. The net of heaven is widely meshed. The meshes are far apart, yet nothing escapes from it. That's verse 73 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Isabella Mears. Next, let's break it down. This verse has two parts to it, and we'll take each part one idea at a time. Part one talks about acting versus non-acting, and part two talks about the way prevailing every time. In part one, We are looking at the concept of a person with courage and daring is slain, and then a person with courage and self-restraint lives. Okay, so to me this means doing and then doing nothing, or just living normally and wu-wei, perhaps. Acting versus non-acting. Okay, so up until now, we've said that wu-wei is the way to go, (laughs) right? But this verse seems to say something different. It says... Of these two, the one has benefit and the other has injury. Who can tell why one of them should incur heaven's wrath? In other words, I think what this means is even when we're trying to do nothing, even when we're trying to do Wu Wei, we're still doing. <laughs> um, okay, so that's one way to look at it. And the other way to look at it is is to say, well, you know, whether I'm doing or doing nothing, whether I'm practicing Wu Wei or not, how can I know what the right thing is? The only thing that I, Dan, personally can do is act in approximation of what I think the right thing is at the right time with what I've got. That's it. That's all I can do. And I think this verse is just reminding us that that's okay. That's pretty much the way it works because we have no idea what's going to happen. We have no idea what's right or wrong in the moment. I mean, sure, we have senses and, and we have... You know, guiding principles and everything like that, but but really, we are so out of control of the actual moment, aren't we? And that's cool. I don't need to control that, and the reason is because the Tao controls that, and so that kind of melts into part two, which says that the way prevails every time. Now, it would be scary to think that there is a malevolent force that's kind of guiding everything. <laughs> right? I would be pretty scared about that. But as it turns out, as I look throughout the rest of my life, I can see that steady hand of Tao guiding me despite myself, despite the judgments, despite my ambitions, and despite all the things that I think I should be doing and the person that I think I should be. I always find that the Tao has always been there, always providing the perfect outcome, what I needed at the time, what I would need in the future. The Tao always provided that. And so, would a malevolent force do that? Probably not. I mean, I'm not the authority on this, so I don't know. My experience is that the Tao, as a seemingly benevolent force, has always been there. And when we talk about being in harmony with the Tao, what is that feeling that I actually have? It's love. And that's what Isabella Mears is translating right here. It says that the Tao speaks not but responds in love. It's slowly made manifest, yet its plans are laid in love. I mean, love doesn't sound malevolent to me, does it? It it doesn't. Okay, so the idea, I think, in part two is that the DAO is always on. It's constant. It's always providing. In other words, the DAO or the way prevails every time. And I need not be worried about the outcome because the outcome is always going to be great. Whether I think it is or not, it's always objectively great. Okay, so let's wrap that up let's remember that verse 73 has two parts to it part one talks about acting and non-acting and part two says that the way prevails every time so let's put that back together i'll read verse 73 again a person with courage and daring is slain a person with courage and self-restraint lives of these two the one has benefit and the other has injury who can tell why one of them should incur heaven's wrath because of this the self-controlled person has doubt and difficulty heavenly Tao strives not but conquers by love it speaks not but responds in love it calls not to people but of themselves they come. It slowly is made manifest, yet its plans are laid in love. The net of heaven is widely meshed. The meshes are far apart, yet nothing escapes from it. Let's take a look at some of the things that this verse made me think about today when considering the Tao's perfect outcome. Number one is maybe yes, maybe no. And number two is disciplined freefall. Maybe yes, maybe no. The one who acts meets an unnatural death. The one who doesn't lives naturally. Those who practice Wu Wei live a natural life those who don't end their lives in an unnatural way. Okay, this seems slightly cryptic, but has enough there for me to understand that Wu Wei is the way to go, and non-Wu Wei isn't after a little contemplation. So that's cool. But then, the next few lines of this verse kind of just blow that notion out of the water. I mean, after those first two lines, I'm all... I need to woo wei and that's all there is to it. In fact, most of what we talk about in the podcast is woo wei and how it's the key to life. So, (laughs) of course, of course, we get another curveball from Lao Tzu. That's why I love it. There's always another aspect to to consider. Because in the next few lines, Lao Tzu basically says that even though wu-wei is the way to go, sometimes... Things call for wu-wei, and sometimes they don't. He says, A person with courage and daring is slain. A person with courage and self-restraint lives. Of these two, the one has benefit, the other has injury. Who can tell why one of them should incur heaven's wrath? Wait a minute. What? You mean that sometimes I can't help but act selfishly, and sometimes that's okay? (laughs) Not only that... But I thought that acting non selfishly was the way to place myself into harmony with a Tao. Interesting indeed. I'd like to tell a short story. Maybe you've heard it before. It's the story of the Chinese farmer as told by Alan Watts. Once upon a time, there was a Chinese farmer whose horse ran away. That evening, all of his neighbors came around to commiserate they said we're so sorry to hear your horses run away this is most unfortunate the farmer said maybe the next day the horse came back bringing seven wild horses with it and in the evening everybody came back and said oh isn't that lucky what a great term of events you now have eight horses the farmer again said maybe The following day, his son tried to break one of the horses, and while riding it, he was thrown and broke his leg. The neighbors then said, oh dear, that's too bad, and the farmer responded, maybe. The next day, the conscription officers came around to conscript people into the army, and they rejected his son because he had a broken leg. Again, all the neighbors came around and said, isn't that great? Again. He said, maybe. Commenting on this story, Alan Watts says, the whole process of nature is an integrated process of immense complexity. And it's really impossible to tell whether anything that happens in it is good or bad (laughs) because you never know what will be the consequence of the misfortune or you never know what will be the consequence of good fortune." I've heard this story used to illustrate the benefits of non judgment before, but it hadn't occurred to me that it can also serve to show us how the Tao moves, dare I say, in mysterious ways. Honestly, the whole paradigm is too complicated for me to analyze. <laughs> like, when should I do this or be that, or how do I know when to teach, when to learn, all that. I mean, maybe a quantum AI algorithm can figure it out at some point, but for now, it is simply too much for my mind to bear. Perhaps that's why. Just trying to stick to one thing and being okay with making mistakes is the best thing for me to do, according to Lao Tzu. Kind of like a I'll do my part, the Tao does its part thing. I'm okay with that, for now. Disciplined freefall. It's a little dark. My ears aren't clear because there are plugs in them. My arms are free but I've got a weight on my back and it seems to be strapped around my shoulders and the rest of my body as well. And there's another weight on my legs and while I can move them it would be really really hard to run away. Now I'm not alone. I'm in this loud metal box with 30 other people that are in the same situation. And nobody's bothered gagging us because it's It's just too loud to talk. There are people in charge of us who communicate with hand signals. Nope. I'm not in some scene from Saw, though it certainly is scary. I am in the belly of an army cargo plane, getting ready to jump out of it while it's moving through the air. Yes, for that moment, I'm a paratrooper. It's not that I'm jumping out of a perfectly good airplane, I tell folks when they ask. It's... Simply that I hate flying. (laughs) The main person in charge of us is called the jump master. The jump master looks at each of us and tells us with hand signals to stand up. This is it. We're on our approach to the drop zone. I'm about three quarters of the way back in the line. My eyes find the little red light that's right by the door. And right above it is a green light that's off right now. Now when that thing comes on, it's go time and I am supposed to calmly walk or shuffle as they call it with all this stuff on me to the back of the plane and jump out. I'm looking at the person in front of me that the jump master and that little light are all I can focus on in the seconds drag out. My legs don't feel weak but they're charged with adrenaline. The jump master makes this little gesture with thumb and forefinger, almost like she's squeezing this imaginary little squishy ball. Now that is the 30 second mark. 30 more seconds, and I'm going to be falling from 1,200 feet up. Is it 15 seconds now? I feel like 30 seconds is up. The light is still red. I'm looking at it. Everybody's looking at it. We're ready to go, but we don't want to go. The light is still red. And with no sound, no warning, that little green light is on. I hear muffled shouts. The person in front of me moves forward, and I follow. Looking ahead of me, I see Peterson hand the static line to the jumpmaster. Peterson faces the door, and it seems like he just gets sucked out. Then BAM! No more Peterson. Williams is up next, and she does the same thing. And then BAM! Williams is gone. I know in the next 10 seconds I, Murray, will experience the same fate. And I'm there. I hand my line to the jump master and that ground is whizzing by not far below, but far enough. And I try my best to take the most forceful big step out of the plane as I can and bam, Murray is gone. I start counting and around the 2.5 second mark, I feel this gently forceful tug on my body. I look up and I see this big green circle above me. Over to the right, I see the plane's rear (laughs) a little higher than me and it's getting smaller and quieter. And all of a sudden, it's quiet. I don't seem to be moving (laughs) at all. There's ground below me and there are some trees off in the distance, but they're not whizzing by anymore. It feels like I'm floating, and I pause to enjoy it. Now a few moments later, I know I'll be hitting the Sicily drop zone. I release my rucksack from my legs and do the same with the weapons case, check to see which direction the wind is blowing, position myself so I'm horizontally aligned with my knees together, and pull in my risers to slow my drift just like they told me to do in training. And... With a hard bump and roll, I am laying on the ground, looking up at the blue sky. I made it. I'm alive. During this jump, there was me. And there was the Dow. There was me, who prepared with training and checking and double checking my equipment. There was the Dow, embodied in the people that manufactured the equipment, made sure that it would work every time and there was the dow disguised as a jumpmaster who checked my gear before we jumped. There was me, who stood in line in the aircraft, and there was the unstoppable dow expressed in the fact that with or without my consent I was going out that door. There was me, counting the seconds after jumping to know if my chute had opened, and there was the Tao, embodied in the predictable forces of physics. There was me, Present and aware of the float, and all around me, the silent, beautiful, peaceful Dal. There was me, pressing my feet and knees together, and there was the Dal, the solid earth that, um, well, caught me. (laughs) There was me, the human who did the things, and there was the Dal, the one in charge of the outcome. For me, this verse talks about my relationship with the Tao, what I'm supposed to do and what the Tao does. It doesn't tell me how things will work out. On the contrary, it says that no one, not even the sage, knows what's going to happen. It also says that if I do my part, if I continue to self-cultivate with my training, I practice my form to the best of my ability, Tao's wide net will catch me and support my growth. The Tao effortlessly arranges the perfect outcome. I need only to do my part. I feel like I can apply this over so many levels. The societal level. The friend level. My work relationship level. My home level. My emotional level. My spiritual connection with the Tao level. There is what I'm supposed to do, which is cling to the principles of Tao. And there is what the Tao does. I do the things and the Tao provides the outcome. I'd like to stop there to wrap up my experience with this verse today and considering the Tao's perfect outcome, I thought about two things. Number one was maybe yes and maybe no. <laughs> and number two was discipline free fall. For the final piece of this episode, let's consider how we can apply the principle of the DAO's perfect outcome in this verse today. For me, one of the things that is usually the most difficult to practice is allowing the Tao to operate in my life right now. There are things I want, things I want to feel, things I and my family need, things that need to be coordinated, people I need to notify about stuff, emails to do, chores to be done, you know, like all the things. I tell myself that I need to be responsible for myself and make these things happen, and indeed, that's true. What else is true is that while I am the human that moves its arms and legs and talks, I don't need to take charge of any of it. All I need to do is show up and do what's in front of me. So I don't get something done? Why should I stress over that? Well, Easier said than done, of course. In the moment, it's pretty much impossible for me to talk myself into letting go, especially when I'm the only one around to execute on whatever task I'm working on. But I've experienced a way to practice what I'll call disciplined spontaneity, or how to allow the Tao to provide the perfect outcome effortlessly. It's got to do with realizing that in the past, despite myself, the Tao has continued to catch me in its invisible wide mesh. I'd like to invite you to walk through an exercise with me. It's basically looking at the past and recognizing the Tao's influence, even when I felt out of control. We can do this in our home lives, work lives, and social lives. So let's get quiet and ask the Tao to show us something new today. Thank you. Let's think about our lives a year ago. Where were we? Where were you? What were you doing a year ago? Can you remember what you wanted or what you were worried about? Not knowing what the future was going to hold, what did you think that you needed to do? Now, let's look at now. Did you get those things you wanted? Do you still think you need those things? Are you still here? Were there any unexpected bonuses you experienced? Did your priorities change? Now ask yourself... With where things are now, within you, have things kind of worked out? Like, even though the situation may not be as you envisioned it a year ago, can you see that certain things happened in a specific order to make you into the person that you are right now? Can you sense that, despite your initial desires and aspirations... The DAO was operating in the background the whole time. Can you see any times when you and the Dow cooperated? Okay, so let's look at our home lives. And we can compare now with last year or now with five years ago when you met your significant other or started a family or moved or had a change in your home situation. Just think back. What did you want then? What were your plans? When you looked to the future, what were your intentions? And what's it like now? Does your current situation reflect your intentions then? And if it doesn't, can you consider that perhaps the situation now in a way, is better than what you intended it to be? Even if things were hard. Didn't things work out for the better? Aren't they moving towards working out for the better even if they're hard right now? We're not talking necessarily about physical situations. We're just talking about what's internal to you. Did you grow stronger? Did your priorities change? Did you grow? Did you feel like a more capable you? Well, who did that? Who made you grow? Like, like who was in charge of that? And now with work, let's look at last year or the last job, the last business venture, whatever. Think back to when you didn't know what was going to happen. What did you want then? What were your plans? When you looked to the future, what were your intentions? And what's it like now? Did your current situation reflect your intentions then? And if it doesn't, can you consider that perhaps the situation now, in a way, is better than what you intended it to be? How did you grow? Did you make that growth happen? Or did you have help from the Tao? Finally, let's look at social situations. Consider your group of friends last year or even five years ago. Have some relationships changed? Has your place within your group of friends changed? Without judging how good or bad it is, can you see that where you fit now is where you need to be for whatever reason? And who did that? What's been the silent guide there, allowing things and relationships to change subtly, a thing at a time, to get you where you're at now? I find that when I look back on my life, despite my own aspirations and ambitions, I am better off than what I thought I would be internally. And I have found that when I can embrace this internal disposition, especially in the moment, the physical stuff shakes out. I have found that when I allow the Tao to operate by letting go of my own desires like a tree, I follow the light naturally. When I have pain, when I think that the situation is just bad, when I am facing difficulties, when I am confronted with really big challenges and life events, my temptation is to think that they're all bad. When I look back on them, I understand that I have grown from them. The physical situations may not have been perfect. They may not have been according to what I thought should be occurring, but as a human, in this human form, I found that if I can remain open and present to what is happening around me, I can allow the Tao to shape my character, I can grow into further compassion, contentment, and humility. And this is what I call the oxymoronic discipline spontaneity. Practicing being in the moment by using the past to help me remember that like this verse states it slowly is made manifest yet its plans are laid in love the net of heaven is widely meshed the meshes are far apart yet nothing escapes from it so that'll wrap it up today Thank you for considering the principle of the Tao's Perfect Outcome with me today. To close out this episode, I will leave you with a final reading of verse 73 of the Tao De Jing, translated by Isabella Mears. A person with courage and daring is slain. A person with courage and self-restraint lives. Of these two the one has benefit, the other has injury. Who can tell why one of them should incur heaven's wrath? Because of this the self controlled person has doubt and difficulty. Heavenly Tao strives not, but conquers by love. It speaks not, but responds in love. It calls not to people, but of themselves they come. It is slowly and made manifest, yet its plans are laid in love. The net of heaven is widely meshed. The meshes are far apart, yet nothing escapes from it. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living with your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. In each episode, we do four things. One, we read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, we break it down into everyday language. Three, we discuss my own thoughts and experience with the Tao. And four, we look at a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Dao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. I'm pretty sure that as I learn about and experience more of the Tao, all my thoughts and lessons will change. I wish the same for you, as you grow along your journey. If you found something meaningful in this podcast, and would like to discuss it with others. I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the subreddit Taoism. That's reddit.com slash r slash Taoism. Also, I'd invite you to share this podcast with friends if you think it would benefit them. As always, I wish you love, compassion, and peace. Thanks for listening.